got a real good feeling. You're listening to the Coffee and Crypto Podcast with Crypto Jeb, bringing you the best and most updated news about cryptocurrency. Tune in every morning at 9.30 a.m. Eastern to watch this podcast live on our YouTube channel. Hey guys, what's going on? Jeb here, and welcome back to Coffee and Crypto, where we show you everything going on in the cryptocurrency markets. We're not only going to be talking about the price of Bitcoin and the major drop that we've seen over the last couple of days. Over the weekend, we're going to be talking about how the bulls are fighting to hold support at $36,000, and we're going to be talking about a whole lot more. We're going to be looking at Bitcoin in comparison to something called the M1 money supply, and there's an argument to be made that even when Bitcoin hit $69,000, it was still undervalued as compared to when it hit $20,000 in December of 2017. Sounds interesting. I guarantee you it is. A lot of very interesting inflation metrics we're going to look at today, as well as quite a bit of news. We're going to be talking about how the Russian director of finance has talked about how instead of banning crypto, they might be thinking about putting regulations on it. So a lot of interesting news coming out of Russia that's been impacting our markets as well. And just on a personal note, I'm feeling much better. I had a tickle in the back of my throat. It was very hard to talk when I woke up yesterday and I didn't want to get anybody sick in the office. I feel great now though. So I very much appreciate all of your support in that. You guys sent out some prayers. You guys tweeted me. Thank you so very much. I do feel better now, but we're going to go ahead and jump into the show. I am joined, as always, by T.A. Tim himself. How you doing, man? What's up, everybody? I am here. I am present. It is uh, it's a good day. Um, I just want to say, how about that uh, uh, that RSI bullish divergence I played out yesterday? Yeah. It's almost like someone called it. Ooh, okay. Let's go, Tim. Well, we're also joined, as always, by Smay. How are you doing, Smay? I would like to note for the, for the jury that... Um, I've heard somebody in this room say before that we don't predict anything here. The TA predicted. So I would like to say that Tim did not predict anything. The TA predicted. So uh, I just want to put that out there. He got you. He got you. I just want to put true. that out there. I'd also love to shout out some of the people in the chat today. We have TZ in the chat. I love up, TZ. Ted? Crypto couple, crypto mm -hmm. sec guy. Uh, we got here. We got Grand Roofing Inc., one of our newest members. Oh, crypto welcome. Alchemist. Uh, let's see who else we got here. Jo -Jo? We got JoJo. We got Matt C. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Elliot we got Elliot. Locke, Adam Rourke, Tom Wilkes. Oh my gosh, so Brad many. Geidel, Agent Gold. So many. I love you guys I so much. You guys are so awesome. You guys are so you're even you're even cute. Oh, you're even ooh. you look a little cute. You're kind of so, cute, buddy. With those glasses, uh, you, you look like you. Steve Jobs right now. And Steve Jobs is an attractive man. It's Steve true. Steve Jobs. I feel like I look nothing like Steve Jobs. I don't right know. Now. Well, it's, it's the glasses. <laughs> it's the glasses and the, and, the, and the shirt. But we're also joined as always by Kelly. How are you doing, Kelly? I'm doing excellent. I'm just so excited to see that the Bulls are fighting for this 36K level. I know we're going to get into it deep today with a lot of the technical analysis. Mm -hmm. So we've got some great news stories coming up. Uh, we're going to be a little light on the on-chain stuff today just because there's so much going on around around uh, the entire ecosystem, especially with everything that's coming up this week with the, the Fed meeting and then you know the, the quarterly reports as well as all the news stories. But it looks like uh, right now the Bulls are holding fast and the Bears look like they might be taking a little bit of a nap. So let's see. Let, let's jump into it. And see what we got for this week. Well, guys, it's your favorite show in crypto. This is the show where we bring you all of the technical analysis. We talk about the news. We mention the on-chain, and we let you know how to think, not what to think. Drop a one in chat for the Dream Stream team being back. I'm very excited to be here, and I am looking forward to jumping into this team. We're back, and the Bulls might be also. Let me go ahead and tease you a, a couple of the stories we're going to be looking at today. Bitcoin whales are aggressively buying. There's a couple of whales that are dollar-cost averaging instead of every Friday, every single hour, and they've gone from $0 to over a $1 billion in 
million Bitcoin purchased. And that is a very, very interesting thing. We're going to talk about what implications that might have and the market sentiment ramifications from that. We're also going to be talking about how long-term holders are holding strong. And about 60% now of Bitcoin that has been held has been held for longer than a year. So that means that a lot of the uh, supply in Bitcoin has become something known as illiquid. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about how the Russian director of financial policy has come out in support of crypto regulation instead of a full-on ban. But we're going to get up to all of that here in just a second. If you're looking forward to today's show, drop a one in chat for the Stream Dream Team being back and drop a like on this video if you're looking forward to all of that content. We got a lot to cover today and we don't have a lot of time to do it. About an hour and a half, but we always try and cram like 10 hours of content into one tiny little show so that we're being efficient with your time. So let's go ahead and jump into it. We're going to start over here on CoinGecko because CoinGecko actually allows me to rank, rank the top 100 by biggest gainers and losers. We can see that Bitcoin over the last hour is up 1.3%. It's actually up 8.4% compared to where it was 24 hours ago. You guys will remember that there was a major drop that started uh, well, it started back last week, but it really exacerbated itself a couple of days ago. We pushed all the way down to $33,000. It was definitely a capitulation event. I made a video about you know, how we should look at this market, the sentiment that we should approach this with. If you'd like to go back on the channel and watch that, I think that video was very helpful for some people. We got a lot of positive feedback on that. So that'd be a video that if you haven't seen, please go and watch. But ever since then, Bitcoin has bounced and gone into a little bit of a flag. So Bitcoin is recovering, but let's take a look at the rest of the altcoins. Ethereum sitting at $2,400. Guys, $2,400 sounds like a big drop because Ethereum approached, you know, uh, $5,000. It almost got there. But you have to remember, I remember buying Ethereum at $140 less than two years ago. So the fact that we're sitting 15 times $140 or 13 times, whatever it is, is absolutely remarkable. Ethereum has had a very strong two years, and so is Bitcoin. And the overall trend is positive. Just remember, when in doubt, zoom out, because the trend is up and to the right if you look at it from a bird's eye point of view over the course of years. Bitcoin and Ethereum both up 8 and 9% respectively over the last 24 hours. Cardano sitting down at $1.04. It dropped down to about $0.95. Cents. I watched that yesterday. If I hadn't have already bought so much Cardano, I would have bought more. I'm actually going to make a video later about one of my biggest regrets in this cryptocurrency drop, and so stay tuned for that because I should be making that video today. As far as the biggest gainers and losers, Pocket Network is up 40% right now and Phantom up 22%. We're actually going to be looking at Adam, Phantom, and maybe even Cardano. We're not going to guarantee you Cardano. If we have time, we're going to look at it also. But we're going to look at Cosmos and Phantom. I actually had the pleasure of interviewing the CEO of Phantom. His name is Michael Kong. Very, very humble guy. And I look at the leadership for a project to see if it's a project that I want to invest in. Hands up, I've never bought a single uh, coin of Phantom in my entire life, but I'm thinking about doing it because I have so much respect for the man that created it. Now, as far as the biggest losers, we got Leo Token, uh, BitCub Coin, and then the Stable Coin. So pretty much everything's up over the last 24 hours. Been actually a pretty bullish 24 hours. That's normally what happens when you see a major correction like this. You'll see the market slowly start to recover. And that's what we're seeing right now. We're seeing a bit of a corrective rally. The question now is, can we maintain that and push all the way back to where we were before this whole thing started? Now, let's go ahead and do a little bit of altcoin technical analysis. We've had some people asking about Atom, which is a cryptocurrency that uh, I can show you over here on CoinMarketCap. Let's type in Atom. It's named Cosmos. Atom is the ticker symbol. Ranked number 17 on CoinMarketCap. Got about a $10 billion market capitalization. And if we look at the entire history, you can see that it's had a very bullish 2021. Moved all the way up to an all-time high of $43. As far as its price action is concerned right now, though, let's go out to the daily chart and do a little bit of analysis on it. We can look at the last couple of years of this market, or the last year of this market, and we will see 
that is generally in a major uptrend right now. We have a flat level of resistance sitting up here at $45, so you can make the argument that it's sitting here in an ascending triangle pattern and that that may cause it to break to the upside in the future. One thing I'll point out here is that if it were to correct all the way down to its support level, it would correct down to about $26. Now, I want to take a look at some of the oscillators because oftentimes they give us some very powerful insight. You can see that the RSI corrected recently down to about 41. That means that the RSI has not corrected super far. It means that this drop might not be the bottom, but it does seem like it is recovering a little bit with the rest of the cryptocurrency market. You can also see it is bouncing and starting to recover on MACD. And if we take a look at the Bollinger Bands, you're going to see that we should have bottomed out pretty close to the bottom right here. I don't even have them up yet, but that's what I thought. The Bollinger Bands, you know, I hadn't even pre I hadn't even pre looked at the Bollinger Bands, but I could just tell, yeah, we probably bounced uh, below those Bollinger Bands right there. And that's exactly what we did. We bounced back up into it. Now we're testing the 20 daily simple moving average. The question you have to ask yourself here on Adam is, is this market going to be able to break through this moving average? And how correlated is it with Bitcoin? Just looking at it, it looks like it's actually relatively uncorrelated with Bitcoin. It did not hit an all-time high at the same time Bitcoin did. It's actually hit an all-time high more recently here in the month of January. Very interesting project. I'm going to save the fundamentals for another show. But as far as the technicals are concerned, you can see a little bit more of a drop. But honestly, I think you may see some recovery here because it has fared pretty well even while Bitcoin has been going. It almost looks like a hedge against Bitcoin. You can see how it has been doing pretty well even as Bitcoin has not. But now I also want to take a look at Phantom. And then we're going to check in with the chat here in just a second and see if you guys have any super chats or anything. We're going to make sure we read those. But I want to look at Phantom really quickly. And I also want to say a few things on Phantom. Like I said, Phantom is a project that I really have a lot of respect for, mainly because I now met and I now know the founder of the project. This project went from about 3,000 daily transactions on January 17th of 2021 to over 1.1 million daily transactions as of January 17th this year. Last year, January 17th, it had about 5,000 active addresses. uh, January 17th of this year it had 1.7 million. So it has gone absolutely parabolic in the last several uh, in the last 12 months. And Kelly was actually telling me earlier that it has briefly been surpassing some of the bigger uh, layer ones as far as total value locked. Kelly, can you tell us a little bit about that before I go and do the TA on it? Yeah, absolutely. I'll actually pull it up right here on DeFi Llama for those of you, that you. you uh, for those of you that don't know, DeFi Llama is an incredible uh, website you can go to and mm-hmm. you can check on all these different things. And in this case, you go to chains and as you see here, Phantom has surpassed Avalanche and Solana. Uh, yesterday, it briefly actually passed the Binance Smart Chain as well. Uh, but one of the things I want to point out here when you are looking at these different projects and you're trying to figure out how to build your portfolio and get different uh, projects that support each other. In this case, if you go to Phantom, you just click on Phantom and you can see all the different projects are basically running that are operating on top of the phantom uh, protocol and you you can go through this and you can find different projects that uh, have worked in similar ways on other projects like ethereum uh you know all the different uh uh, layer twos uh different scaling solutions different uh, operability utilities uh you can use DeFi llama to do that but it's really incredible to see here that phantom i mean i I think last year the beginning of last year phantom wasn't even on this top one i mean it was so far down and now it's now it's way up here and this is also something we'll be watching uh for cardano as cardano has all these uh things uh popping off now with all their dApps they're very low on this list because they haven't had any operability on top of their chain so it's really nice to see uh phantom uh, making such strides as it has and i think it's still it's got uh, plenty of room to go this year and and indefinitely into the future yeah it's got some great tech also obviously we don't have time to go into all of the tech and i'm not a blockchain developer so i'm not the best person to comment on it anyway but we actually do have it we actually do have an interview 
with Michael Kong, like I said, founder of the Phantom Foundation. He is the CEO of Phantom, of the Phantom Foundation. And uh, he talked a lot about what makes Phantom successful, their thoughts on leadership, and the things that he's learned from his multi, uh, from his many years working with Phantom. But as far as the project, as far as the price, excuse me, is concerned, let's go ahead and take a look at this. Obviously, it has had a drop over the last couple of days, as Bitcoin has. It peaked out here at a local high of about $3.40, which is basically an all-time high. And we've actually seen quite a bit of bearish RSI and bearish MACD divergence come in here that has now played out. It dropped all the way down to a longer-term uptrending level of support that we can trace all the way back to uh, December 31st of 2020. We can push it all the way up here, and that's where we touched. And by the way, this bottom back over here was when it was trading at 1.7 cents. Now that bottom is $2. So it has rallied 2,000% in the span of just a year. And by the way, it earned that. If you want to find more analysis on why Phantom is a project that is doing very well, I encourage you to go to a, a website called FTM Scan S C A N.com. That is where you can find all of the on-chain metrics for Phantom, and they are remarkably encouraging. They're all just like flat, 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 boom. It just exploded. This project came out of nowhere. Like Kelly said, it wasn't even in the top 100 a year ago, but now it's doing very, very well. As far as the price is concerned, though, we've talked a little bit about the fundamentals with how much Phantom is growing and how much I think that Bitcoin's going to have a small bounce or sideways action. I don't necessarily think we're going to see a massive drop again just yet. We might in a few days, but as far as the next day or two, I think we're probably going to hold out around here. During that time, I think we will see a small recovery on Phantom. And also, if you're looking for something to invest in, I think Phantom is one of the best layer ones to invest in right now. The last year has shown that. So it's definitely something I'm going to be looking to scoop up. Now, I'm going to talk about Cardano, but I'm going to talk about it briefly because I want to keep us moving here. Cardano recently rallied all the way up to $1.64. It was doing very well, and then Bitcoin jumped off a cliff, and, and uh, Cardano followed it. Cardano right now pushed, uh, Cardano just recently pushed all the way down to $0.92, cents, dropped some wicks down there. But the main point I want to make to you on Cardano is look at how long these lower wicks are. Look at how long these lower shadows are. Cardano dropped down to $0.92, cents, boom, instantly bought back up. Dropped down to $0.95, cents, boom, bought up. Dropped down to $0.99 cents this morning, boom, it got bought up. Everybody's buying the freaking dip. Nobody wants to see it go below a dollar uh, below a dollar even here on the hourly chart we only managed to stay below a dollar for less than an hour you have to go down to like the 15 minute chart to even see that drop we fell down there and then massive amount of bullish buying so you might argue that there's a capitulation that needs to come into cardano that it hasn't seen yet where it drops and then it just kind of sits down there it might need that but to be honest with you i'm actually very encouraged by the way that this chart looks because it means to me that the bears uh, are trying to push it to the downside and, the, and and there is fud in this market but the retail uh, and the and the hashtag ADA gang are coming in clutch and saying, nope, actually, we're going to buy the dip. And to be honest with you, if I had more cash on the side, I would buy the dip. Like I said, I'm going to be making a video about one of the regrets I have of this correction. And hint, hint, it's that I didn't have enough money on the sideline to go ahead and put into crypto because I'm already so exposed to crypto. So I'm going to talk about that in a video in the future, uh, probably today or tomorrow. But anyway, guys, let's go ahead and check in with the chat. want to see what you guys are thinking about this entire scenario. And let's read some super chats if we have any of them. We have one super chat and then uh, we can go to chat. I think we have one on here here that it was pretty interesting but Robert Corey said opinion on Solana I'm looking at my DCA my initial purchase price of $200 thanks Robert yeah so I think Solana is a good project look Solana has a lot of institutional backing when it launched there were so many power players on the side of Solana in fact while I was in Miami at the North American Bitcoin conference I heard a lot about Solana a lot of people were talking about it it's a very it, it's a name in the industry that's almost like 
You know, Bitcoin's very homegrown. Solana had a lot of support from the institutions, had a lot of support from big money players, and it is a solid project that has a strong blockchain. My concern with Solana is one, its tech, and two, the perception of its tech. So I heard a lot of jokes while I was down in Miami of like, oh, Solana breaks every two hours, or oh, Solana gets hacked every two hours, or something like that. And that's not true, obviously, but there have been issues that lead people to have shaken confidence in the blockchain. And also, I do have my concerns about centralization with the way the tokens were, or with the way the coins were initially distributed. So I think it's a project that's going to do well. But in the same way, I have concerns about crypto.com and the fact that it's very centralized in its brand. I do have my concerns about Solana. So I'm not saying it's a bad project to invest in, but I want us to remember one of the core tenets of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency is this idea of decentralization. And any project that sacrifices decentralization for the sake of speed or transaction throughput or block size or functionality really misses the point. Because the fact is, a centralized solution to anything that blockchain is doing will always, hear me here, always be more efficient than a decentralized uh, solution. The reason we make it decentralized is so that nobody can have financial sovereignty over you. <laughs> you see how that works. I don't want a Solana or a, a central bank or you know anybody to have financial sovereignty over you. It's our, it's our vision statement for you to have financial sovereignty over your money rather than the other way around. So any project that sacrifices decentralization for users or speed or anything like that, I'm talking about a cryptocurrency project, that has me concerned. I'm not saying don't invest in it, but personally, that, that would be my concern with that. Gotcha. We had one that just came in here from, I'm trying to scroll because the chat is being... Weird. There we go. Albert Sanchez Alvarez saying, is SDSU now, is SDSU now accepts Bitcoin for donations? You probably still don't know who the Aztecs are, but will you know, will you now know that they're accepting Bitcoin? It's South SDSU. At first I was like, South Dakota. That's what I'm saying. It's no, South Dakota State. State. It's, well, uh, San Diego State University. Well, he says the Aztecs. So San Diego State University, San, South, you know, not South Dakota. It's, it would be San Diego. Is that, is he talking about the college? Like, is hmm. yeah, the I, I remember seeing they a new story. Yeah, I remember seeing a news story about uh, I don't know maybe two two or three weeks ago that they're now accepting uh, crypto Bitcoin donations. That's pretty cool. Uh, huh. And I th I, th I think what they're using them for specifically though is to raise funds for crypto related projects and courses uh, within. The, um, I may be wrong, but uh, I mean it's incredible when when any any major institution or any major corporation uh, you know accepts a Bitcoin. It's just one more domino in the long line dominoes that will eventually fall uh, globally when mm -hmm. in all all different spaces and, and businesses. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Matt C even just said, yes, San Diego State. And by the way, I see some hashtag FinSolves in chat. Can we get a bunch of hashtag FinSolves? Let's hear it for financial sovereignty, guys. That's what we're about here. We want you to have control over your finances rather than your finances controlling you. That's what financial sovereignty means to me. What does it mean to you? I'd love to hear that. Make sure you smash that like button. We're about to jump into some Bitcoin, but really quickly, I want to bring you a word from our sponsor, which is iTrust Capital. Have you, do you have a retirement account, an IRA, and you've been wanting to invest in cryptocurrency with it? I Trust Capital has that solution for you. And if you don't know what a retirement account is and what an, and why an IRA investing with it uh, in Bitcoin would be so beneficial, here's why. It allows you to change the way that you pay taxes and you can defer those taxes so that you pay those taxes later or you can pay taxes now and a little bit later. So there's a lot of different tax advantages to investing with an IRA. It is basically a tax bubble where the way that you invest is changed and the reporting structure is much more advantageous to you. I Trust Capital is the biggest in the ecosystem as far as 
being able to invest in Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. They've got about 15 to 17 different cryptocurrencies that you can invest in within your IRA. So if you have an IRA and you've been wanting to invest in Bitcoin with it and take advantage of those tax benefits, of which there are many, then you should definitely check out iTrust Capital. The link is in the description box down below. They're very easy to use. They've got over 100,000 reviews across everything. They've got amazing five-star Google reviews. Make sure to check them out. You won't regret it. They've also got a very simple and a very, very um, inexpensive fee structure. So make sure to check that out as well. Anyway, though, we're going to go ahead and jump into Bitcoin. Smash that like uh, smash that like button if you were liking today's stream. Let's get up to 750 likes here in the next couple of minutes. And we're going to go ahead and take a look at Bitcoin. Dun, dun, dun. Guys, Bitcoin did have a drop the other day. And I don't want to make light of this. I know that this was very painful for a lot of people. I get that. I want to meet you guys where you are and let you know, hey, I'm, you know, I... I understand being scared of the Bitcoin drop. I remember when Bit when I got into Bitcoin back in 2017. I'll just open on a little bit of a personal note here so you guys kind of see where I'm coming from. When I got into cryptocurrency, I remember watching it. It was right here. I'll go ahead and draw a vertical line where I was, uh, where uh, the day I got into crypto. I got into crypto right here on, Ju on July 31st, 2017. The first thing I knew when I got into crypto was a run that was 80% in 30 days. And then from there, Bitcoin would drop all the way down to $3,000. During this time, I was actually, you know, I live in Florida and Hurricane Irma was coming through. So I actually didn't have internet or electricity for half of this time. So I was kind of freaking out. I'm like, oh my gosh, is Bitcoin going to die? Oh my gosh, Bitcoin's going down. It's down 20%. I haven't seen it in a week. What's going on? And so I got really scared, you know, because I was, I was like, okay, I just found this Bitcoin thing. It's got so much opportunity and now it's dropping. And so I just want you to know that I understand it being painful and scary whenever Bitcoin uh, goes through a correction. So I want you to know whenever I don't look scared, it's not because I don't understand. It's just because I've been through this a lot and I want to help you guys to have confidence in this market as well. So I'm genuine when I tell you guys, I'm not scared of this drop. I'm okay with this drop. Obviously it's uncomfortable, but I've been through this a lot. I also remember that I started the YouTube channel, right? Uh, let me just draw a vertical line. The day the YouTube channel started, this was the day the YouTube channel started. You can see I wasn't in crypto long before we started the YouTube channel. Started the YouTube channel. A month later, we went through a 70% correction down to $6,000. That freaked me out too because I started this YouTube channel. I'm like, boom, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do something big. I'm going to help people learn crypto. I'm going to learn crypto myself and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make a change in my life and in people's lives. And then Bitcoin went through a bear market for the first year that I was running the channel and it was very discouraging. And, you know, the fact is, I was hardened through that. Not in a bad way, but in a good way. I was strengthened, maybe is the better way to say that. I was strengthened through that time during that bear market because it was, it was painful. I would see Bitcoin drop and then, oh, it rallied. Okay, we're going back into a bull market. Nope. Okay, we're going back into a button. No. Okay, look, we're going into a button. No. And you know what it taught me? It taught me patience. And that's, you know, I, I, there's a phrase that I've been telling myself for the last couple of weeks and that I think has become kind of part of my own personal lexicon. That is, patience tested is patience built. You have to have your patience tested if you want to build your patience. So I just encourage you, whenever Bitcoin is going through a drop like this, understand the price is downstream of the fundamentals. And also remember that your patience being tested is actually the way that your patience is going to be built. As much as it sucked that this first year that I was in crypto was a major bear market, I actually wouldn't trade it for anything because the lessons I learned during this time have stuck with me. And now it gives me a fortitude that whenever a drop happens like this, I know, okay, I've been here before. I've gotten through this. I'm going to be okay. So that's what I would encourage you guys to do. I understand it's scary right now. I really do. I've been there. I've walked through this market the exact same way you have, but I just wanted to encourage you in that. But with that said, let's go ahead and take a look here at the technicals. 
and get away from all the mushy stuff. I know some of you guys aren't the biggest fan of that, but that's okay. Anyway, let's go ahead and take a look here at Bitcoin. The first thing I want to point out is this ultra long-term trend that Bitcoin has been maintaining and the fact that Bitcoin did just break it. So I just told you, hey, uh, don't be scared. Be confident. We're going to be okay. But now I'm here to give you a little bit of bearish news. So there is this long-term trend right here that, right, that has been in play ever since May 31st of 2011. We actually bounced around it here and we actually used this support and resistance here in 2014 and 15. We tested this support here, fell below it here, used this support and resistance here, and we broke through it there. If we zoom in, you can see that it was giving us support over the last couple of weeks going back to about January the 7th. We actually broke bearish through it over the weekend. I believe on Friday is when we actually finally broke through it. And, you know, that is concerning a lot of people because this long-term uptrend, whenever we fall below it, a lot of times we actually stay below it for quite some time, whether it be three months, six months, a year. I would encourage you to understand, though, that this is a linear, well, this is an exponential trend because it's on a log chart, but also Bitcoin is growing exponentially as far as the price is concerned. Could we see Bitcoin stay below this uptrend for, for a multitude of months? Absolutely. Could we see Bitcoin go sideways here for, an, for a couple of months? Absolutely. Could we see a relatively boring quarter one? Absolutely. I want to set that foundation because I don't want Want us to have invalid or incorrect perceptions of what the market is doing. But I did just want to bring that to your attention. We have had a pretty major capitulation event also below this uptrending level of support. We had this idea that, okay, maybe this ascending triangle pattern was going to hold and we were going to break to the upside and we were going to hold here at 42,000. That has not taken place. We have actually dropped to the downside. And that's okay. That is not something we should be scared of. That is something that we should be aware of, but it's not something that we should be fearful over because remember, emotions are almost never your friend when you're trading in cryptocurrency. If you watch the video I made a couple days ago, you'll know uh, trading and investing is a logical decision. And when you get your emotions involved, that's when it gets complicated. Now, as far as the technical analysis is concerned, first thing I want to show you is that the MACD is moving to the upside, but we are, uh, it is converging on itself, excuse, excuse me, but it is pushing to the downside. That push, uh, that movement to the downside is actually a little bit annoying because we do have this bullish MACD divergence right here. And if we do set a lower low on MACD, then that actually invalidates that bullish MACD divergence. So I very much want to see MACD uh, hold that uptrend right there and then be able to continue up just like that. I also want to remind you about the RSI. We talked about on Friday, I believe it was, how RSI pushed all the way down to 20. That's actually the lowest level that RSI has been ever since March of last year. Excuse me, I'm sorry, March of 2020. And the fact that that has happened indicates that we have seen a pretty big drop and that we're probably going to see a little bit of a bounce. Now, on the kind of bad news side, I do just want to remind you that, yes, we have seen a pretty major rally here from 33,000 all the way up to 37,500, but we started at 43,000. So we had this massive drop, which was mainly a giant uh, short squeeze, um, uh, excuse me, long squeeze, I'm sorry. And then now we've seen a bit of a rally, but we have not recovered anywhere near where we began. I'm going to show you some other technicals, but really quickly, I want to throw it to Tim. Tim, what do you think? And I'm sure you talked about this yesterday on the show. What do you think about this size of this bounce? Is this bounce large enough for us to be encouraged? Or is this bounce so small that we should really take that as a sign that the bears might still be in charge? Well, so this is a bounce that kind of put us in a zone of, of, no, neither the bulls nor the bears being in charge of the next little bit. And I think it's in anticipation of the Fed news coming out here. Uh, the, you know, the meeting starts today. It'll carry through to tomorrow. And I believe Kelly was telling me uh, that the announcement's actually coming out tomorrow night around 7. Kelly, I think that's what you said. Uh, I, I, yeah, I made no, I have no, I, I have no idea what exact time is coming oh, okay. out. I, I know, that's me. I know okay. they're planning, they're meeting today and tomorrow and the, they the should be tomorrow. having, they should be having a report tomorrow. If for some reason that didn't yeah. happen, then I definitely would uh, be looking 
looking for it definitely by Thursday. Yeah. A lot of, I mean, all that's coming out as well as all the quarter, quarterly, quarter four earning reports are coming out throughout this entire week and early next week. So there's a lot, a lot of stuff on the docket uh, in terms of, uh, you know, whether, whether it's going to hold suppress or support uh, market movement here in, uh, throughout this entire week. So everything's kind of sitting there, you know, riding on the line uh, either direction. So you really got to yeah, play yeah. it yeah. safe and careful right now because things are quite choppy. Yeah. So, so, you know, okay. So I take back, I, you know, whatever, I don't know what time they're announcing it, but tomorrow night is when I think they announce when, what the decision of that meeting was. And here's what we see right at the moment is, and then I, I called this back a little bit ago when we we dropped and everyone was freaking out. You know, I noticed on the hourly chart back on January uh, 22nd, I was like, okay, um, we're setting up hourly bullish divergence. That's not going to save us from a massive dip. And I even I even predicted, I said, hey, this isn't the bottom. What's going to happen is we're going to see a nice little false rally yeah. from the hourly. What it's going to do is then change the four hourly chart to set up for bullish RSI divergence. So sure enough, if you look at the four hourly chart, you see that rally that peaked on 23rd around three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. You know, that set up the beginning of, or sorry, it actually didn't peak there. It peaked, sorry, around uh, 1500. That peaked uh, to set up, to come back down, set the price even lower, to hmm. set up bullish RSI divergence on the four-hourly chart. Now, here's what I'm looking at right now as I'm moving forward. You know, we had bearish RSI divergence on the hourly chart to kind of halt us, to kind of say, all right, let's slow down, let's stop going. But what we're not seeing anything happen is on the four-hourly chart in terms of right now, we are not sitting in, like we were playing out bullish RSI divergence, but we're not setting up bearish, which is what I said is the next thing to look hmm. for. And, and the reason why I think we're going to set it is the RSI, back here, if you're looking at that peak that we had on the 20th around 7 o'clock, that peak is not that high on the RSI. It's not that much higher than what we're at right now, but that price obviously being close to 40, you know, it's 43, uh, 300 almost. I just don't think that this rally is going to get us back there. So I, I do expect us to set up bearish RSI divergence on the four-hourly chart, bring us back down. But that's all setting up, I think, when we're finally going to see this relief rally come and setting up the bullish. And I'm not just talking about regular, because there's, just so you guys know, there's four different kinds of bullish or bearish RSI divergence. They're strong. That's the one that you really want to see to reverse the trend. There's also weak, and that reverses trends, but it, it's not, it doesn't usually come with a lot of oomph. You know, we really oomph. want the strong bullish RSI divergence. Then you move over to continuation patterns, and we have our medium bullish divergence, and we have our hidden bullish divergence. What I'm seeing right now is none of them playing out. We The last thing that played was a strong bullish RSI divergence on the four-hourly chart, but what I would really love to see is that form on the daily chart, hmm. and the price has not gone high enough, and the RSI has not gone high enough on the four-hourly chart to get us to a position where we can set that up. So I, I think, you know, even if you're looking at the hourly chart and the Bollinger Bands, look at how constricted they are right now. I think that we have some sideways boring action here between 37,000 and call it 35,500, mm -hmm. and until anticipation of what that news actually is. Because when you think about it, we are only about 20 candles away from finding out. 24 to 20, you know, 30 candles away hourly from finding candles, out on mean? the hourly yeah, chart. Right. From finding out what that news is. I yeah. think that we're in a, look back not that long ago, we were in very constricted sideways movement for mm -hmm. many, many candles on the hourly chart. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to see a similar thing happen again. And then, you know, today, just so you guys know, we're doing our price prediction on Bitcoin. I expect some of us to go low, some of us to go high, because we're kind of sitting in a boat right now where I think we could dip back down to 30,000, 29,000 potentially, as we discussed in the show the other day. Yeah, but if the Fed comes back with really positive news and says, you know what, we're going to make this news that might be temporary or might be in the long term bad because we're going to keep uh, interest rates uh, 
uh, low, uh, but it's short-term good for not only crypto, but also for the stock market. Uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but there's a... There's a lot that's in play here in the next 24 to 30 hours yeah, there is. of what's going to happen, not only in crypto, but in the finance market as a whole. Well, I'd say that right now, Bitcoin is in a very suggestible position. It's almost like, okay, bullish news, boom, it's going to rally. All the bulls are going to get excited. The bears, uh, you have bad news, the bears are going to say, okay, I'm going to dump it. I feel like Bitcoin right now is in a very volatile position, which is funny to say about Bitcoin because Bitcoin's always relatively volatile. But I really feel that it's in a position where it's very suggestible. And if there's going to be some bearish news, it might take it very bearish. If there's going to be bullish news, it might take it very bullish. But let's go ahead and take a look at some candlestick analysis here. On the daily chart, there's three different things I want to point out to you. Number one, we did not have bullish engulfing ours. Uh, excuse me. We did not have a bullish engulfing candlestick formation on the 22nd and 23rd of January. What essentially that would be is that this green candlestick would be larger than the red one which would indicate to me that the bulls had set a pretty strong bottom. Instead, the bulls did not manage to recover above the, the open price of January 22nd's candle. On top of that, we did see a hammer formation. That's a bit of a bottoming pattern. That's a good one. This wick is a little bit longer for a, for a hammer formation than I would like, but it is technically a hammer formation. And then we also see that there is a spinning top coming in right now. So we had this say that it's bearish. We had this say that it's bullish. And we have the spinning top saying, I don't know. So I'm going to cancel out the bullish Je and the bearish. Jeff, and just I, say, I, got a, I have a question for you here, though. Go for it. Oh, how would you, how would you sort to look at when you're looking at this with the hammer uh the hammer candle if you actually look at the 12 hour chart uh the the actual the 12 hour chart actually had uh bullish engulfing candle it does so it's it, it seems like it's a bit of a in a mm. way kind of a, a little bit indecisive between yeah bullish but but then on the other you know on the daily you have uh, you don't have the engulfing but you have the hammer mm. but then if you go to the three day I was about on to the three day, day yeah. yeah you also have a hammer which is uh and then you have I a feel like top <laughs> Yeah, I think those with the hammer on the daily and then the bullish engulfing on the 12 hour kind of supports uh, at least at least a little bit of the the, the market leaning on the on the uh, yeah, somewhat. I think, more that's what I was going to say. Side. I think it's more bullish than bearish, but there's still a lot of indecision in the market right uh, yeah, now. I, I, I think I think there's a lot of indecision, but what we're seeing is the charts reflect that traders and the, the psychology of the investor and trader right now is, hey guys, there is hope that we move to the upside. Yeah. It's not finally decided yet. We it's, need to see what happens, but there's hope. It's like there's instead of it being a stalemate like it was two weeks ago it's a battle like there's actual there's actual conflict going on right now you know i want to be careful with the words i choose because youtube yeah. doesn't like you talking about that but um right now there's a proper battle going on it's not just a stalemate like okay we're just gonna sit here and be bored i guess nobody's moved in the last two months no it's mm -hmm. we are actively fighting over 40 uh, over thirty six thousand dollars that's why we put in the title we're fighting over thirty six thousand dollars there is a fight going on right now the fight to the upside or fight to the downside and as he said on the 12 hourly chart there is a bullish engulfing candlestick formation and on the three daily chart there is a hammer formation but then on the three daily chart you have an indecision. So I would say what the candlestick analysis is telling us is pretty much the same thing that this uh, falling wedge that we're about to talk about is telling us. And that is that we're, we have a slight bullish um, uh, tendency right now. You can even see with this falling wedge telling us that we should be breaking to the upside. But at the end of the day, we are still very indecisive. And until the bears are proven wrong, they are still the faction that's in charge. So I want you guys to remember that until Bitcoin, in my opinion, gets above $43,000, we are still in yeah. a confirmed down trend and we need to make sure that we are leaning on that because the trend is your friend until it ends even if you don't like the trend betting on the trend is generally the best idea and right now we are in a downtrend and we have been for the last month and a half and change and i think that that's going to end relatively soon but it hasn't yet now i do also want to show you lux algo because lux algo is a very very powerful indicator one that i love and right now it is showing us some interesting things down here on the four hourly chart 
We have seen something pretty cool come into play. We have seen that there has been a buy signal. Let's take this. Uh, take a look at this. There's a buy signal. Trend catcher turned green and Lux oscillator turned green. Now, before I even do any analysis on this, I want to remind you, technical analysis is not a perfect science. No technical indicator is perfect. There are times where a technical indicator is going to tell you something and then it doesn't happen. Lux algo never claimed to be 100% accurate. I personally don't know if I agree with this buy signal right now. I thought that this one might come into play and we'd have a rally. The fundamentals just weren't there. The technicals just weren't there. Uh, the on-chain is there. The fundamentals are there, excuse me, but the price just wasn't there. The sentiment wasn't there. Right now, we do have a buy signal. We do have a green trend catcher and we do have Lux Oscillator. At this point, I'm going to believe it when I see it. I love Lux Algo, but right now I am going to hold off a little bit. I'm not going to put too much stock in that. For example, we don't have any of the three bullishness, um, uh, any of the three bullish indicators on eight hour. Eight hourly chart shows us trend catchers red, no buy signal, no Lux Oscillator uh, green. On six hourly chart, yes, we're green down here, um, but the six hourly chart only has the buy signal. It doesn't have the trend catcher. And of course, nothing has shown up as of yet on the daily chart, even back a week and a half ago when we first saw it. So I'm going to hold off on less listening to Lux Algo because the thing you need, or no, excuse me, I'm not going to hold off on listening to Lux Algo. I'm going to make sure I'm putting in the right context because a four hourly chart buy signal does not mean that we're going to rally to $65,000. A daily chart buy signal is trying to tell us that, but a four hourly chart buy signal is trying to tell us, okay, we might rally for the next, you know, 30, 40, 50 candles, but it's not necessarily saying, okay, we're about to go into a massive uptrend. So let's not say that just because there's a strong buy signal on the four hourly chart, that that means that it's trying to tell us that we're going to be out of the entire downtrend. No, that's the purpose of Lux Algo buy signals on the daily chart. So I would just caution you to remember that when you're using Lux Algo or any technical indicator, be very careful to keep it in as context, because if you're using a, I'll take it to an extreme. If you're using a technical indicator, like let's say bullish RSI divergence on the five minute chart, and you're trying to say, okay, well, I see bullish RSI divergence here, it means we're going into a bull market for the next two years. You're not using that bullish RSI divergence in its proper context. So Lux Algo's proper context right now is four hourly. And four hourly chart, I think there is an argument to be made that we're going to have a small uptrend over the next three to five days. By the way, guys, if you love Lux Algo and you've been watching us use it for a while, you should definitely sign up for it. It's a phenomenal technical indicator. And I think it's actually pretty accurate on the four hourly chart right now. I think we are going to see some bullishness down on the four hourly chart. And it hasn't given us a bullish setup on the daily chart yet, but I think it's coming. If you want to sign up for Lux Algo, you will be glad you did. We've had thousands of our uh, viewers sign up for it. Hit the link down below, sign up for it. You're going to be glad you did. Anyway, I am now going to throw it over to Kelly. Anything you see on market side, my friend, you let us know. And then we also want to hear some on-chain and market headlines from you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the market cipher is quite indecisive, just like the Luxago shows. But the one, number one thing I will show is if you're looking here, I'm on the daily chart on, on Bitcoin. Uh, this is starting. This is like, some people think this green dot is a, a buy signal, and I'm 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 here to tell you specifically, a green dot is not a buy signal. A green dot is one of the many factors that you're going to need when if you're using market cipher as an indicator to uh, potentially set up a, a trade entry. Uh, this is just one of the many things that you're looking for. Uh, the the momentum is starting to shift back up. You're going to want to, you're going to want to see it come up, come back, have a, a smaller trigger wave. But then the other thing here is the VWAP is coming up, is crossing the zero line. However, the money flow, while we didn't have, we barely, 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 uh, I'm talking by like minuscule, uh, decimal points have just a, a very, very much smaller, higher low uh, on the money flow in terms of how far the money flow came down. But, but in order to get a true trade setup uh, on market cipher, we're going to want to get to this point to where this is starting to round out and and really making a, a, a evident case that we're going to start having positive money flow above the zero line. Uh, and then also that coupled with a strong VWAP move to the upside, RSI's uh, in, in tandem uh, moving up and having the 
definitely the anchor wave and a trigger wave, uh, at least one, if not two or three trigger waves, showing that the momentum is having higher lows throughout. Uh, but that that being said, this is just like uh, on Luxalgo, everything's a bit indecisive right now, along with the RSI, the MACDs, uh, the momentum waves, the VWAP, the money flow. So really what we're what we're waiting on this week is just get to, to get some of this news to flesh out. Uh, I remember seeing somebody in chat uh, uh corrected or, or expounded on when the the release date with that with that will be and he said that uh that news typically comes out an hour or two before a close of markets uh on the day the final day of the meeting so I, I guess that that means we can expect to get that report from the fed or the fomc uh tomorrow afternoon sometime between i would say three and five o'clock uh eastern standard time uh that being said jumping into the news we've got we've got some great news because uh there was a lot of money that was coming out of the market uh in the last, basically from December 21st onward, as uh, the market was was coming down, uh, a lot of uh, even some long-term holders and some, not all, small percentage of long-term holders, uh, more specifically some whales pulling out uh, some decent amount of money from uh, at the, from uh, late de- December and very early uh, January, and they're starting to scale it back in. Now, this, th- this story is actually more expounded on here with this story, where essentially uh, there's been this this specific uh, wallet address, this transaction ID has been uh, accumulating Bitcoin every few hours. Uh, this other one, and I mean, I'm talking at like hundreds of millions of dollars in Bitcoin. Uh, this this wallet here has gone from $0 in August 2021 to over a billion dollars in Bitcoin now. And, and he's buying, this is 30 transactions per day. So that's even more than once an hour, which is incredible. That's starting to show that, uh, that essentially big money and smart money is starting to make some moves on the, this price because they feel like this is a good price to get in it. So this is a further further uh, expression of the market psychology, especially from smart money, showing that uh, we're starting to build. We, we haven't. We don't have it fully built. It's not a fully foundational support to springboard off of yet. But we're starting to build that foundation of true, true. Uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for uh, agreement that uh, we're finding a local bottom. So that's, that's incredible news. Uh, another thing here, this is uh, this is basically news uh, along with uh, coin glass, uh, sorry, Glassnode. Glassnode is one of the on-chain metrics uh, suppliers uh, that you can get uh, all the on-chain metrics for what's going on within uh, the blockchain. And essentially, one of the things that they found is over 59 per, basically 69% of circulating supply has now been dormant for hmm. over a year, increasing by 5% of circulating supply in the last three months. So that wow. means long-term holders are still holding throughout all these dips. And they're basically really holding up this market because uh, essentially, and if you're curious how they determine long-term holders versus short-term holders. Short-term holders are classified as uh, coins that have been held for less than 155 days. So if it's bought up until it passes 155 days, statistically, uh, that's when they're at the highest uh, the highest ratio, the highest statistical probability uh, that, it, that it could be sold because it's more likely that it's somebody uh, that, that basically doesn't either have the smart money mind or is just a small money player. Uh, and, and the small-term holders, the short-term holders are the ones that have been really unloading uh, throughout these 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 uh, potential capitulations as we've been driving price down, uh, and that's also shown here. I, I, I retweeted something from Glassnode, and this basically shows uh, on the the short term holder short term holder Nupal. Uh, and as you can see, as as we get down to these levels where this dotted line is here, uh, you can see that this this all these dips are right 
where there's basically been a local low. And even in this downtrend, it's still a local low for this until we get a new low. And in this case, this is where we, uh, the May capitulation happened down to 29K. And this is exactly where the new pool went to. And we're basically uh, flirting with those levels right now. So that doesn't mean, here's the deal with on-chain metrics. On-chain metrics aren't going to guarantee price direction or price activity. But what it does give you, it gives you some historical uh, understanding uh, and uh, some sort of statistical basis to form your sort of plan of action because all trading is is understanding where things and how things have, where things have been how they've interacted with certain levels and certain sort of stimulus uh, within that uh, that asset uh, ecosystem and based on those historical probabilities then you can set up your uh, probability for when you want your entry when you want your exit that's one of the reasons why we're so big on using the Fibonacci sequence for the, uh, the the retracements and extensions because that's all based on not only historical probability because you're seeing how how the numbers are interacting not only with price and movement but also when you're going on past price action and how that interacted with different levels on the fibonacci gives you really really excellent sort of understanding of uh at least a probability of where you can have the best and most profitable trades uh the last thing we'll mention here uh and this is this is incredible because this is one of the big stories that people were speculating was helping suppress some of the price and that's that uh the russian finance minister uh basically uh in surprising comments made by the, uh, the Russian director of financial policy, Russia could be softening its stance towards crypto. Even Chebiskov, che che a director within the finance uh, uh, ministry of finance has come out in support of regulating the cryptocurrency rather than banning it. Now that's huge because as you know, Russia is one of the largest economies in the world as well as one of the most populous. Uh, and there's any sort of major, major player on the global stage uh, like that, uh, their sort of regulations or bans on, on uh, crypto. I mean, as you can see it with the, what was it? The 11th or 12th different China ban, every one yeah. of them still had drastic impact on mm -hmm. the, on the price. So the fact that uh, the basically in this, this is all because the Russian central bank uh, uh, was proposing a blanket ban on uh, uh uh, oh, no, so his support in response to the Russian Central Bank proposing a blanket ban on crypto mining. Uh, and there was a lot of basically big money players and uh, basically high people within the oligarchy and different parts of the economy there in Russia were very against uh, this ban. Uh, and so they're, they're, they're looking more at doing regulation now, which is incredibly bullish in terms of at least at minimum taking off this major FUD story uh, that's been stifling some of the price action. Well, let's also uh, let's talk a little bit more about Russia, because obviously we're not a political channel, but there is an elephant in the room that we have to address. And there's obviously some turmoil going on in global financial markets as uh, as well as, you know, <laughs> what's going on in Eastern Europe. Again, we're not a political channel, but we do need to mention that there is uh, some instability in global financial markets. And Kelly, would you say that right now there is some turbulence that is affecting all markets and that that turbulence mainly coming from the conflict uh, that's being talked about quite a bit over on the Russian-Ukrainian border might be having something to do with what's going on in Bitcoin? Could that be scaring people out of their Bitcoin positions? Well, I think the fact is, is that in re in reality, Bitcoin is not a risk on risk out, uh, risk off asset, uh, and mo I won't say most, but a large majority of the very top players within the crypto ecosystem aren't either. I, I would I would argue that at least at this point, a lot of uh, many or most of the cryptocurrencies, uh, crypto asset projects uh, within the gra uh, greater ecosystem uh, could be more related to properly and and. Uh, uh, 
by definition, being risk on risk off assets because they're much more speculative because they don't have proof proof of concept, proof of history, Mm, proof of, you know, all all these things. But with Bitcoin, the fact of the matter is, especially with having all these new money players coming in, smart money, institutional money, they're still uh, lumping it in with uh, risk on risk off assets. So for the time being, and as as I think we showed last week, the correlation between the traditional markets, the stock markets and uh, Bitcoin is still very, very heavily correlated. Now, yesterday, Bitcoin actually bounced back uh, quite a bit uh, before the NASDAQ ended up having its, you know, incredible uh, recovery from its massive down day. Uh, But uh, I do think it's going to take another, you know, anywhere from three to eight years before we start to really see a consistent and sustained decoupling of, of, you know, the the crypto markets from the traditional markets. And right now with the, the stuff going on in Russia, with the stuff going on with the Fed, with interest rates, interest rates shouldn't have anything to do with uh, Bitcoin, right? It's yeah. it's two completely uncorrelated things. Mm. However, the psychology, the psychology is what we really need to work on decoupling. It's not the asset itself not uh, not being coupled or decoupled, but it's the fact of how it's considered. And it, over time, and as this uh, as this project, as all you know, many of these projects, Bitcoin, Ethereum, uh, Cardano, Solana, Avalanche, all these top projects, as they continue to develop, and some of them fall out of this, uh, the I think the decoupling psych- psychologically will start happening. Yeah. And then from from there, we'll start seeing it play out on the on the price action and, and charts. Well, I think, like you said, it has to do with the new money holders. We read a statistic on this show a couple of weeks ago that 70 percent of everybody in crypto got in in the year of 2021. And you see that with the long term holders, 60 percent now being in long term holding positions indicates to me that we are seeing the illiquid supply increasing. That's what that metric means. But it also means that I think those people that have been in the cryptocurrency space in, la- in just the last 12 months are either one, fudding out and leaving the market or two, they're growing and learning how to become smart money. So I think we're seeing a maturation of the market, especially over the last three months where we've seen a pretty major drop. People are either leaving the market and that's causing the market to drop or they're buying the market because they're turning into smart money. And gradually, as you see more and more of the weak hands get shaken out, you're going to see the market doing very well. And as you mature in cryptocurrency markets, you do realize that the um, metrics in the real world shouldn't have that big of an impact on Bitcoin because it is a little bit in its own industry. It is in its own kind of bubble. But the other thing I'll say to that is that communication is not about what you say. It's about what you uh, it's about what they hear. So the Fed can say whatever they want. And we can say that, oh, well, we shouldn't care about what the stock market or not that we shouldn't care, but the stock market shouldn't have this big of an impact or what's going on with Russia shouldn't have this big of an impact. But at the end of the day, what matters is what the market hears and what the market does with that news. So if the market responds to it, then we have to look at that and say, okay, this is a powerful news story for Bitcoin. It shouldn't have anything to do with Bitcoin, but because the masses uh, believe that it does and they're making trades based off of it, we have to follow that market sentiment. And that's kind of what I've been looking at here. There there isn't really any reason that the conflict on the Russian-Ukrainian border should have anything to do with uh, Bitcoin, but the fear from traditional markets is pouring over into cryptocurrency, Mm -hmm. and it's stirring up a little bit of turmoil here in the space. Any final thoughts on that? Let's hear them, but we do need to go ahead and read some Super Chats. Cool. Uh, Let's do it. Let's do it. We actually have a couple different things that I I would love for you to look at uh, on the chart real quick. So this was something brought to our attention yesterday on the show by Chris Davidson. Uh, So he added at me, this isn't a super chat, this is a question, but I think it's actually very helpful for people. And I'm going to preface this by saying uh, it, it, doesn't look good if this comes true. Uh, it's not a bullish sign for Bitcoin whatsoever. But I went back and did my technical. I went back and did my back analysis, and I'm not going to lie. It he he's on to something. So I want I want you to answer this, Jeff. I'm about to ask you ask a question, but is this something we should pay, be paying attention to? And he was saying, look at the 50 weekly MA. So I looked at the SMA, I believe, uh, for Bitcoin. 
what he was posing yesterday was every single time we cross below the 50 weekly SMA, we end up bouncing off the 200. Okay. So I went back and did back analysis on it. And sure enough, there's not a single time. There's one time we barely broke through the 50 and then came back up. So I was going to, I kind of treated that as like, all right, we kind of use it for support, even though we technically went a little bit below it. But every time we cleanly break through bearish on the 50 weekly moving average, uh, we end up actually bouncing off the 200. What are your yeah. thoughts about that, Jeb? No, it's a good point. So here's what I'd say to that. Um, <laughs> The thing you have to keep in mind with this is that, yes, that's true. We're looking at it right here. Whenever you fall below, you end up going and backtesting the 200. The thing is, we don't have a very large data sample on this. We only have three yeah. examples. Um, and the, the, the other thing to keep in mind here is that... So I'm not saying that we shouldn't pay attention to this because we absolutely should. Because, yes, we have broken below the 50 weekly, which is basically the one-year moving average. We are now in a year-over-year -year loss, and that normally does not happen in bull markets. But I think we're also in a much different market right now than we ever yeah. have been. So there is value in comparing the current market to previous markets. We do that all the time as historical analysis is very important. But as we talked about earlier, it has to be in its proper context. The proper context here is that, yes, Bitcoin rallied all the way to $65,000 and it got very overextended. But we have to ask ourselves the question, would it make sense for Bitcoin to go down to $20,000 based on the fundamentals? You know, if you asked that question before when Bitcoin was at $6,000, you might have said, no, I don't believe it, was, it made sense for it to go down to $3,000. But it did. You might have said, oh, well, it doesn't make sense for it to go down to $5,000, but it did. So what I would say to this is that we are in a very different market right now with very different fundamentals. And I will take this into account because mm -hmm. this is very powerful and this is very interesting. And it does tell us, hey, look, we could see Bitcoin going down to $20,000, dollars $23,000. And I don't want to come here and tell you that that's not possible. It is very much possible. But yeah. I will also remind you that right now, Bitcoin is following through very some, uh, something very similar to what we saw happen on the S&P 500 back in the 2000s, where it went through a major, major uh, double top over the course of the entire 2010s, and it bottomed out a little bit lower than where it started. So if we were to follow that same model, then we could see Bitcoin pull back maybe to $25,000, uh, but then it would probably end up bouncing. And the final thing I'll say on that, because we're already looking at the stock market, is there's obviously been a whole hell of a lot of turmoil in the stock market recently. I mean, look at this, guys. It's crazy over here on this SDPR, S&P 500 ETF. There's a lot of FUD in traditional markets, and that is having a big impact on Bitcoin that is outside of just the technicals. So as I said, don't take the technicals in a vacuum. Even right mm -hmm. here when we pulled back below the 50 and dropped down to the 200, this was a black swan event with the beginning of the news of virus thing that we cannot say. Back over here, the market was not developed yet. And back over here, yeah, Bitcoin probably did just need to go down to $3,000. So I'm not discounting it. It's very important. Yeah. I'm going to think about it more. Uh, this is the first I'm hearing of it. But my initial reaction is let's make sure we look at this in its context. Yeah, that was kind of my and, opinion. And, and, I'm glad to and in, agree, uh, in addition to that, I think it's really important. A lot of people, they knock, especially or and, and I and I can understand where this sentiment's coming from. They knock lately, uh, especially you know on my Twitter, you know, because I post so many on-chain metrics. And uh, the, the truth is, on-chain metrics have been. Uh, like disorientingly bullish in this entire drop uh, and the market still has been dropping. So what's that about? And in this case, as we're talking about the, you know, falling below the, the, the 50 uh, SMA and touching down on the 200 SMA, well, one of the metrics that you just absolutely can't ignore, and it is the underpinning of any market anywhere. And that's, that's supply. And the fact that we have basically the lowest illiquid supply, basically, 
nearly in any point in the history of Bitcoin, uh, that's a metric that is not in anywhere, that's not even contended in the slightest at any point uh, at all in, in any relation in uh, yeah. any of those last drops below 50 and touching down on the 200. There was a lot more available to go around. So even with sell pressure, not only the sell pressure, there still was uh, supply sitting on the sidelines. Now there's basically no supply sitting on the sidelines. Long-term holders are getting smarter and they're growing day by day. Every day we have a new, uh, every day throughout the day we get uh, innumerable more Bitcoin that has been hold longer than a year uh, or longer than even 155 days. And so these metrics are, are growing by the minute more bullish. Uh, and now price action will get pushed around, especially with all these big money players and smart players. However, there's only far, so far you could push it uh, before the underlying support of the entire network and ecosystem just says this is, a, and that's, that's essentially how you find Too a floor low. in any market. Yeah, and here's the and here's the final thing I'll say on this because this is a really good point, guys. If Bitcoin does have a boring quarter, extrapolate three months forward, we could see this moving average sitting at about twenty seven thousand dollars. I could easily see Bitcoin going to twenty seven thousand dollars. I'm not saying to be clear that that's going to happen, but it is in the cards. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I'll say is that this two hundred moving average, as of like this week in the last month or so, has actually crossed the previous all time high. So that tells us because we have gone back and back tested this three times that if we do go and back test this, then we'll probably hold it because that's what we've always done. And then that means that we'll probably never see a, neg a, a sub $20,000 Bitcoin again. So if we do go down to $20,000, which again, we would extrapolate this forward and it would probably be around $22,000 at the earliest that we could possibly dump down here. That would end up being such a massive capitulation event. And the fundamentals are so strong and the new users are so strong. And the as he said, the illiquid supply is so strong. Mm -hmm. We would get so overextended to the downside that we would be screaming at the top of our lungs, buy, buy, buy. So if it does go down to $20,000. Just remember, when in doubt, zoom out. The trend is up and to the right over time. And look, if we go through a year of a bear market here and this starts into a bear market, which, hey, I'm not telling you it's impossible. It could happen. I don't think it's going to happen, but it is in the cards and it is seemingly a little bit more likely as of the last two weeks. If that occurs, Take that as a benefit. That's what I told you at the beginning of our Bitcoin technical analysis segment. When I got into crypto and a bear market started, I was so thankful a couple years later that that happened. I was so thankful that my first year in Bitcoin was a bear market, not a bull market. That was a blessing in disguise. I've been in crypto almost five years now, and I am so very thankful that my first year was a bear market because, one, I learned how to trade in a bear market and make money in a bear market, and I realized you can make money in a bear market almost as easily as you can make money in a bull market. And, two, I learned the value of patience and mindset. That's why you guys hear me talk so much about mindset rather than buy a 100x moon coin or an altcoin because that's not what makes you rich. That's what might make you rich if you get lucky in a bull market. But what will truly make you wealthy is when you have to figure out how to make money in a downtrend. That's really the test. So if you can make money in a bear market, you can, you can definitely make money in a bull market. So that's my thoughts on that. Definitely a little long-winded. Yeah, <laughs> Let's keep going. But I'm, I'm going to answer. We're going to do one more because it's, it's going to be another discussion and, and we are going to get all these super tats read we before are. the end of the show. However, Alan Carey, who's a member, so he, he donated and gave. So I'm gonna I'm gonna paraphrase what he said because I want to keep it from getting a little too far political. But it's political in nature. But I think it's a good question. Uh, so can you discuss why inflation is seen as good from politicians' position, regardless of the elections coming up? So just to preface this, you know there are politicians who believe that uh, inflation is actually a really good thing, and then you know we've discussed potentially is the reason why the Fed's going to end up deciding to keep interest rates low and to continue to inflate the dollar is so that they can win their re-election. He's saying, let's say that that's not going to happen. Let's say that 
they're not worried about their elections. An election is not an issue. Why would anyone use the argument that inflation is good? Yeah, well, the reason that people use the argument that inflation is good is one of two reasons. Either one, malice or two, stupidity, because it's not a good idea. I don't want to attribute malice where I can attribute something to stupidity or something to ignorance or something to, you know, just not understanding the way the economy works. Because just because someone's a politician does not mean that they're an economist. In fact, far from it. Most politicians have no idea how the economy works, but they want to come and tell entrepreneurs like us how we should run our businesses. That's a pet peeve of mine. But the main reason that they are so interested in inflation is one, because we've built a system over the last 100 years where we have to inflate the U.S. dollar to maintain the national budget. We have trillions of dollars being spent every single year, and we're running a massive deficit, and we're in a massive amount of national debt, mainly to ourselves. And because of that, we have to keep doing this. It's almost like, let's say you have a wound. Let's say you have a bullet wound, and you put a bandage over it. You put a Band-Aid over it, and then you're like, okay, well, that didn't do good enough. I really am still in pain. So instead of taking the bandage off and doing the painful thing and going in there and doing surgery on it, you say, okay, I'm going to put another Band-Aid over it. And then it gets painful, and it does its thing. And then you say, okay, instead of taking those two bandages off and fixing it, I'm just going to put another Band-Aid over it. That's what the Federal Reserve does every time they print money. They say, okay, instead of fixing the problem and allowing for us to go through a two- or three-year recession as we restructure the way the dollar works and we stop playing with this inflation game and we put ourselves in a position of a, of a budget surplus, unless we do that, they have to keep inflating the dollar. They don't have a choice. Jerome Powell's in a very awkward position right now because I genuinely think he doesn't want to see inflation hurt Americans. I don't think he does. I'm not going to attribute malice to him on that. I don't have a reason to, to do that. I do think that he's in a very unfortunate position where he really doesn't have a choice to keep the economy moving. They have to inflate the dollar. And that's the scary thing is that this train has no brakes anymore. We're, we just... That, that there are politicians that believe it's a good thing, but there are also a lot of politicians that realize inflation is a bad thing and, and they look at it as a necessary evil. And the way that the economy is set up now is that if you try and build the economy without inflation, you try to build the economy without a national de without a national uh, deficit, budget deficit, the entire economy is going to undergo such a radical shift that it would put us into a major recession. And the problem is, is that we're not, we don't have the, the balls to do it on our own terms because that's going to be unpopular and people are going to lose their reelection campaigns. So we're just going to have to keep kicking the can down the road until it happens on its own. And when it does happen on its own, you mark my words, it's going to be worse than if we had done it intentionally, but it will happen eventually because you cannot inflate your currency forever because eventually the temptation will get too great and you'll inflate the living hell out of it and you'll collapse your economy. It's happened to every single national currency in the history of mankind that lost its backing, and it will happen to the U.S. dollar. I'm not saying it's going to happen this year. I'm not saying it's going to happen this decade. Hell, it might not even happen this century, but eventually it is going to happen, and we are going to feel those effects. Yeah. Hey, you want me to read any more, or do you want to go ahead and move Let's on? Let's go ahead and move on, just because there's another Bitcoin chart I want to show you, and it actually plays very quickly into this. We're going to move on into this, and then Ethereum, and we'll come back and check out the rest of those Super Chats. We do want to make sure we get all of those in. This right here is a chart called BTC over WM1NS. The ticker symbols to find this chart is actually in the uh, description down below. Go and watch this chart. If you're on the four-hourly chart or something, it's not going to load. You have to be on the daily chart, three-day chart, weekly chart, something above the daily chart for this chart to load. And this chart might look familiar to you. You might look at it and say, okay, well, that looks like the Bitcoin chart. And then you might think, wait a minute, this is kind of weird. I actually remember... I looked at this first this morning when Kelly showed it to me. I'm like, is this the Ethereum chart from like two years ago? No, this is Bitcoin's chart, except it's not scaled over the U.S. dollars as of today. It's scaled over the M1 money supply. So M1 money supply, I'll go ahead and read from Investopedia what it is. M1 is the money supply that is composed of currency, demand deposits, or other liquid deposits, which includes savings deposit. M1 includes the most liquid portion of the money supply because it contains currencies and assets that are either are or can quickly be converted to cash. However, near money and near near money, which fall over M2 and M3, cannot 
not be converted to currency as quickly. So something like real estate valuations would not be a part of this, but something like your checking account would be a part of this. M1 money supply has about doubled in the last two years. And the interesting thing here is that compared to the M1 money supply, Bitcoin has not actually reached all-time high that it set in December of 2017. It's actually, even at the recent local high, 40% retrace from that. So what I take this to mean is that compared to the value of the US dollar, Bitcoin is actually undervalued compared to where it was in 2017, which puts two things in perspective. One, it says, okay, we're probably closer to the bottom right now than we think we are. And two, it actually tells us, yeah, 2017 was really a blow off top. But the fact of the matter is, whenever you inflate the US dollar, it takes time for that inflation to take, a, to take effect. It takes quite a bit of time, actually, for Bitcoin excuse me, for the U.S. dollar to make its rounds all the way through the supply chains. You got to realize supply chain logistics from mining iron ore to turning that into a uh, to a, a component, which goes into a, goes into a widget, that goes into a gadget, that goes into a part, that goes into a car. The entire supply chain of most of our economy nowadays is multiple years long. You'll have parts sitting in a factory for two or three years, and they are locked up in the value of however much it cost from two, three years ago. So the fact that the supply chain takes a long time to turn over itself, the supply chain cycles are measured in the span of of years in some industries, that means that it takes time for inflation to be felt all around the economy. So when you inflate dollars today, it might be two, three, four years before you really feel those full effects. It might be 10 years before you feel those full effects. So we've inflated the dollar a lot in the last two years, and we still have not had that catch up with us. But as it does, it's going to drive more and more people towards Bitcoin. Kelly, you're the one that found this chart. So do you, what are your thoughts on this chart? What do you think it's trying to tell us about where Bitcoin is right now in relation to the U.S. dollar? Well, you know, interestingly, I don't remember when it was. I think it was sometime early last year. There was an article that came back from uh, one of the analysts from Bloomberg, and he had made the case that uh, he could see. And, and I'm not, I'm not saying that I agree with this one way or another. It's just uh, supporting this sort of uh, conversation we're having. And he was talking about the potentiality at some point of Bitcoin being a billion dollars, and everybody blew him out of the water. Huh. He said, "You have to realize, I'm not saying that I'm seeing Bitcoin at a billion dollar value." based on the value of today's dollar, I'm seeing it based on the, uh, you know, the inflation scenario of the US dollar, dollar yeah. over the next five to 10 years. Uh, and what that means as Bitcoin's value goes up along with the devaluing of the dollar, uh, then something like that could be could be possible. Now, where we're at right now, uh, of course, I do think I do think despite the, the chart that we're just looking at with the M1 money supply, I do think that the $69,000 Bitcoin, uh, even against uh, the inflation is 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 and was worth more more than the $17,000, $18,000 Bitcoin in 2017, because when you look at the, the, the value of the US dollar from uh, that that date till now, it hasn't, you know, it hasn't, uh, divided by three. Yeah. Uh, right. So, uh, but in terms of the, the underlying sort of fundamental value in terms of uh, grander market structure, uh, and all those sorts of things. Yeah. I think that, uh, it's, and this is one of the biggest cases for why Bitcoin is so incredibly important and incredibly valuable. And this, we speak about this, uh, on our Friday series uh, that we have coming out every Friday, you have to go back on our channel and look for some of the past ones, the why, why Bitcoin series, <clears throat> excuse me, this is specifically why, because 
this is a, the only asset class in the history of the world that as it gets mined, uh, it's not like it's you can mine more within a limitation, but the cap supply is a finite amount. And therefore, uh, as you mine it, every time it's mined, it becomes more valuable. And every time it's spent, uh, it, it it's it's transacting value in a way that's, uh, you know, if I if I give you a hundred dollars today to buy something for you, great, great point. Great example is the pizza uh, years ago, the guy bought a pizza for 10,000 Bitcoin. Well, the, 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 now if, if I bought my, if I bought pizza from you or a car for $10,000 or whatever it is in five years, that $10,000 I gave you, if you leave it as the, the same currency, I gave it to you in fiat currency, that value is less. Bitcoin is basically the only asset in history that over time is going to indefinitely going to go up uh, exponentially and that exponent is going to qu- come down over time as the uh, as the market becomes more stabilized however you know gold for instance gold will has been rising and everybody says well they would they would tell me they would say what i just said was incorrect because gold value goes up over time but if you look at the value in which it goes up over time it is absolutely no contest for uh, what bitcoin has done and what it's going to continue to do at minimum for the next 140 years if not longer. And the other thing you got, and also the final thing I want to mention with this is that everything Kelly said was just right, but was absolutely right. But I do also want to mention that there is a bit of a caveat to this chart and it's this gap right here. This gap right here should make you pause and question what's going on. So if you go over to a website called Fred Federal Reserve Economic Data, then you will actually be able to see the M1 money supply and you'll see, oh my gosh, it jumped from 4,000 to 16,000. We printed a lot of money. No, actually what happened in May of 2020, the definition of M1 money changed. So it quadrupled. So you have to keep in mind that this chart, if not for that quadrupling, that we would probably be sitting at a higher uh, higher level than we are right now. So this is a little bit uh, corrupted. If we were able to go back and change this to one or the other definition, then we probably are sitting above that level. But even with that in mind, just take a look at what happened from 2010 to 2020. We saw Freddle, uh, Freddle, Freddle. We saw Federal Reserve economic data show us that the M1 money supply jumped from one, uh, 1,674, that's in billion, so that's 1.6 trillion, uh, all the way up in 2020, right before everything started, to 4,000. So it more than doubled in a decade. And then just ever since May of 2020, right after they re- redefined how it was calculated, it jumped from 16,000 all the way up to 20,000. So we've seen a massive increase in the M1 money supply. And the point is that even with the redefinition, we're probably still undervalued compared to what the M1 money supply has done because it has increased quite sharply. But I did just want to add that caveat in there. Without that redefinition, this chart would probably be sitting right up here instead of right down there. But it does still tell us that the market is, in my opinion anyway, undervalued compared to the value of the dollar as we've seen so much inflation. With that said, I do want to go ahead and move on to Ethereum here. I know a lot of you guys are very curious what's going on on ETH, and I'm a big fan of Ethereum. I hold quite a bit of Ethereum. And the first thing that jumps out at me here right now, guys, is Fibonacci. You probably knew I was going to go here to start with. As you can see, we bottomed out here at uh, $1,700 back in uh, the 22nd of July, rallied all the way up to $5,000 and right now we're sitting on um, 0.786. That is a level that I think we're going to be able to, uh, that we're going to try to hold, I should say. I'm going to reserve my judgments in for just a little bit. But if we don't hold that, then yeah, we're probably going to go all the way back down to 1700 bucks. We're just at that point where that's probably what's going to happen. But looking at some of our oscillators, we can also see that MACD is starting to roll, uh, is trying to converge bullish over the last 24 hours. It is trying to converge bullish just a little bit, but it is still very bearish in general. And one of the things that was very encouraging before this drop was that we had a uh, uptrend right here. And we had a down 
downtrend right here, and that was bullish MACD divergence. Well, now that now that Ethereum has set a lower low below $2,700, I wish it was a $27,000, now that it's done that, our bullish RSI and bullish MACD divergence argument is invalidated because we have seen uh, the market drop quite a bit. But let's not forget that the RSI can be used for more than just divergences. It can also be used for overbought and oversold signals. And we are seeing that RSI is at the lowest right now that it has been since March of 2020. So let's see what Ethereum did after March of 2020. Remember, you think there's economic geopolitical turmoil in our markets right now? You probably remember March of 2020. It wasn't that long ago. I can almost guarantee you that you will agree with me that March of 2020 was more uh, politically tumultuous and scary than the market we're currently in right now. Within six months of that drop and us pulling that far back below, uh, uh, down below 30 on the RSI, we had rather rallied 452%. If we were to do the same thing, then we would rally all the way up to $13,000 before August. Is that going to happen? That is not at all what I'm saying. I'm not saying we're going to go to $13,000 before August. I would have said that a month ago, but now my bullishness is definitely shaken, and a lot of those price predictions that I have have been pushed back. I have been talking about 100 k Bitcoin in quarter one and maybe on into the beginning of quarter two. At this point, I'd be surprised if that happened. I think we are going to go through a much more prolonged, extended uh, corrective movement, but I think it's going to be more akin to what we saw in um, in uh, 2019 with Bitcoin, where it wasn't really a bear market, but it wasn't really a bull market. It was kind of just a turtle market, as Tim, as Smay calls it. I think that's what we're going to be entering and being in for a while now. And that's actually a very good thing because it will teach us patience and mindset, and it'll give us the ability to use our outside revenue sources to generate income and then invest in Bitcoin and crypto. So that's actually a very good thing. But as far as the longer-term technicals are concerned, guys, up and to the right is the thing I want you to remember. This market is continuing to grow. Ethereum's continuing to grow. And Ethereum is still the number one layer one in the entire cryptocurrency space, and it is unquestionably the most powerful layer one protocol for decentralized applications and smart contracts. And the final thing I'll say here, and I'll throw it to Tim if he has any thoughts, is that we're actually at the bottom of an ascending trading channel right now. We had a bottom back over here in March of 2021. Two bottoms earlier on the year in June and July of 2021, and right now we have pulled all the way back down to that uh, the bottom of that trading channel at 2,200 bucks. So I think that is very encouraging, and that could signify that a bottom is coming in relatively soon. Tim, let's hear your thoughts on Ethereum, and then we're going to read the rest of those super chats. You know, I'll just go with what I was talking about earlier with Full Bitcoin. Screen. There's a difference between there's similarity between Ethereum and Bitcoin, as we all know. They they tend to move similarly in price. The only difference is Ethereum did what Bitcoin didn't do, and that was after this little rally on the four LHR. It has set up bullish RSI divergence. If you're looking at peaks on the uh, you know the 23rd around 1500 versus the peak we just had on the 24th around 19 around 1500, uh, the price went down, but the RSI continued to go up. Yep, so I'm on my screen, I, I think that the significance of this is not very large. I think that Ethereum's going to move to the downside. Like I, I'm not even looking at it. I don't think there's a reason to go look at it. But I, I'm sure if you were to go look at Ethereum over Bitcoin, you're going to see the price go down a little bit, which means Bitcoin's going to gain some dominance away from it. But then what's going to happen is things are going to flip. Even though I like the 4LA chart, it's one of my my favorite, like what I almost call middle charts, like the hourly and down are just so quick. Things can change so so fast. Daily charts, it takes a little bit to get going, especially when you move up to daily, especially when you move daily, two daily, three daily, weekly. 4LA chart is one that's like, hey, this is giving me a great indication of what I should be expecting over the next 24, maybe even all the way up to 48 hours. And at this point, I just would not be surprised to see Ethereum potentially go to the downside. Uh, more significantly than Bitcoin. I think Bitcoin's going to just kind of move sideways. I think Ethereum's going to move downward and sideways. But I, it, it's very weak stuff happening there. As a whole, as you said, Jeb, when you zoom out is where things are, are a little more interesting with Ethereum. One thing I will say before we move on, and I think this is something we talked about on the show when I was hosting 
last week. Uh, we might have touched on this briefly yesterday, but Jeb, I, I'm assuming when you did your um, when you did your Fibonacci retracement, you mm-hmm. were using the uh, linear Fibonacci, right? All right, so this is something that I've seen happen quite often. You know, we had that one time on the show where you and I were talking about completely different numbers. Yeah. Uh, there's been times where I've talked about completely different numbers with uh, with Kelly, and then I've seen people in chat even say like, hey, look, what do you think about the Fibonacci? And they'll say the number. And, you know, I did some digging, Jeb, and, and I, I did some back analysis. There are... There are times where the linear Fibonacci is very, very useful and shows significant levels, but there's also times where the logarithmic one is very yeah, key. And absolutely. I know that technical analysis as a whole, as we talk about in CD2A, is a is a metric that doesn't move the market, but helps tell us the psychology of how other investors and traders move things. So I thought it was interesting when I pulled up mine, I, I noticed I was, I, I go back and forth. I'll, I'll constantly change between linear and log. It's good to look at both. Yeah. I'm, I'm on log, and just so you know, this the 0.618 level is the level that we, came below and that we're currently using on the daily chart as strong resistance. Yep. But we do have that, that one wick. It didn't quite touch it, but it came it down and touched it, yeah. the, the 0.786. Yep. What are your thoughts and wh- how would you help people walk yeah. through using Fibonacci? Yeah, totally. So guys, what he's talking about, if you bring up Fibonacci, the way you get into Fibonacci se- uh, 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 settings is just go ahead and um, come in here, scroll all the way down under style and change from Fib levels based, uh, uh, turn this on if you want it to be based on log scale and turn it all, uh, turn it, keep it off if you want it to be on linear and on if you want to look at it on log. So I'll just go ahead and show you right now with it side by side. Um, right now, if you look at it based on log, then the bottom at 7.618 is, it's kind of hard to read there, but it's $2,144. And that's the bottom that we have seen take uh, that uh, that Ethereum has pulled back to. But even if you look at it on the linear chart, we're still seeing that it's giving us support because it's actually, in this case, with the linear chart showing us where we're getting support on the candle bodies. So depending on which one you look at at the moment, it's showing us either the support for the candle bodies or the support for the candle wicks. But on the log, it's very interesting because as he said, the 0.618 is actually serving as resistance. And the fact is both of those are relatively bearish metrics. And normally whenever you see the market go all the way to 7.86, you're normally going to see it go all the way. Normally, if you're going to see a positive reversal, uh, a reversal back towards uh, zero, wherever the trend started, then you're probably going to see that happen no later than uh, than 0.618. Oftentimes, when you pass 0.618 and you start going down to 7.86, you're normally going to go all the way. And that would indicate that Ethereum could pull all the way back to $1,700. And then that would also indicate over here on Bitcoin, which we've already talked about Bitcoin, but I'll mention this too. That would also indicate on Bitcoin that we would probably be going back to $28,000, $30,000. And to be honest with you guys, at this point, that's very much in the cards. And uh, there's a big part of me that thinks, yeah, we're going to pull back $1,750 on Ethereum and, and $30,000 on Bitcoin just because we're so close to it. So what would you say to that, Tim? I, I, I think there's a possibility. I just think that let's wait on that Fed news. It, yeah. It's it's so the Fed news. You know, is someone, be someone just even commented like, "What do you? What is your prediction? You think it's gonna be hawkish? You think it's gonna be dovish? I don't know. Like I, I think I think dovish, but I could easily like if if it comes out hawkish, I just I'll be like, okay, that makes sense, and we'll probably as you said at least thirty. Like I think thirty is almost like a question of at least. I think twenty nine again, retouching the same bottoms we hit back in uh, July, and then even we talked about yesterday. The there are two different in. Indicators showing that the price could potentially go down to 25, 26,000. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to happen, but mm-hmm. guess what? I've been wrong before when I've said there's two possibilities. I think this is going to happen. The other thing ended up happening, but at least when that negative price action happened, like this, this price action down when we came down and touched 33, I remember sitting here with Kelly and Jeb and we talked about, okay, if this happens, we'll go down to 33. Yep. 
it happened. I didn't yep. think it was going to happen, but yep. I wasn't surprised by it. Yeah, no, that's why I said I was like, I think I forgot what I said. If we drop below 38, we're probably going to pull back down to 33 to 37. And yeah. that's where we are right now. We're in between 33 to 37. And at this point, if we see another major correction, there's no there's nothing stopping us from going back to $30,000. And the other thing, I just got to be honest with you guys right now, the sentiment in the market. And Tim, you tell me what you think. I feel like the sentiment in the market is a little bit less exuberant than it even was back in May, April in May because we were coming out of that massive rally. There was still a lot of hype and that helped us to recover. Mm -hmm. Right now, it doesn't really feel like all of that hype is still there. The fundamentals are there, but the fundamentals, the, the perception of the fundamentals is what truly drives price. The fundamentals can say whatever they want, but if people aren't buying, because they're, they're not buying, but eventually they will. But would you say that we're in a similar position or maybe a better or a worse I position yeah, no, sentiment-wise than April? I, I don't know exactly. I'm trying to make sure I'm, I'm hearing the way you asked that right, but like you're saying that people are even more discouraged now than they were back in July. I think so, yes. Okay, that's what I think too. I think when we talk about those phases, I loved what you came back from the conference talking about those different phases. Uh, I think that we're entering depression phase. I think we're in it, either we're in it or we're, it's going to get worse. I think the Fed news, you know, that's its own thing. We said that over and over again, but I just want you, you guys need to know that is just massive. What happens in that Fed meeting That's huge. is going to be huge. But I do think people are kind of sitting in a spot right now of of like they're just tired. They're they're exhausted. They're they're done yeah. being shook out. And what's funny is if you're a trader, I definitely understand. You're tired of thinking the price is about to go back yeah. way to the upside. But investors, I think it's funny when investors who are thinking when they got in, they said this is my long term. I'm, I'm talking about the next 20 years, and they're getting tired of it. And it's like. The truth is this volatility, it shouldn't affect you one way or the other whatsoever. The price goes up, price goes down. But even things that we were looking at right there, you know, we could change the metric. But looking at that chart talking about, uh, uh, remind me, M M1, uh, M1, M1 money supply, money supply Bitcoin right? over M1 money supply. Yeah. So even if that wasn't perfect, what it should tell you, and it does not take looking at a chart to know this, is that every single day the U.S. dollar is getting less and less valuable. 30, 40 years ago, people were buying houses for fifty to $100,000. Mm -hmm. Just so you guys know, this is something Taylor and I have been looking at to buy houses. I cannot find a decent-looking house that I actually feel like I would want to own for less than $400,000. Yeah. But I remember the household that my parents bought, and it's a nice house, and it— it, I mean, I'm not saying it's like a mansion or anything, but it's a nice house. And they bought, I remember them complaining about the fact that it was like $150,000. Yeah. And I'm just like. It's insane. It, it is ridiculous what's happening to the money. So to me, I'm like, it's almost low-key depressing to know, man, if I didn't invest like a four years ago, that money I should have invested then is not just the price that we're looking at right now on paper, but it's even more so. And, the, and then looking forward, I'm like, this is just to me screaming more. I don't care what people say. I don't care if the price goes down to 15000 I don't care if it goes down to 8000 That would put me completely in the red on my investment. Yeah. I want to get more of my U.S. dollars, which is going in the crapshoot more and every single day. I want to get it into Satoshi's so that I'm hedged yeah. against this fall. And, you know, that's that's the evil thing about inflation is that it's a silent tax. You can put 100 bucks under your bed and come back in 10 years and it'll only be worth 50. And they didn't even have to touch it and they stole the money from you. That's what inflation is. It is the biggest tax that you didn't agree to. And you don't agree to any of them, I guess. But at least you can leave the country. But even if you leave the country so that you're not under the U.S.'s tax policies uh, and tax laws, you're still feeling the effects because the U.S. dollar underpins the entire global economy. So yeah. no matter where you live, you need to understand that the Bitco that Bitcoin is the not only the best answer, it is the only answer. Let's make that very clear. It is the only answer to this issue with inflation. And that's why you ought to buy some. If you want to answer the question, why Bitcoin? It's because there is no other answer to the biggest financial problem of our entire global economy right now. Bitcoin is the one and only solution that has a shot of fixing it or of being a place where you can 
can store your money because even gold and silver are going to go through undergo a lot of inflation over the next hundred years with you know space mining and with all the geopolitical things going on with them. Let's go ahead and read some super chats. Well, I, I would say before that, and we noticed yesterday there's it. been an uptick. You know, Smay has been on just killing it recently. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. I want to hear I want to hear Smay's thoughts about all yeah. of this, and I know well, Chat wants to as well. All right, well, also, I want to preface this. I want to preface this, just so you guys know. For anyone who's been watching this show and thinks that Smay is just a goofy, silly clown, that is not true. He is ridiculously intelligent. He's one of those people so who smart. masks his intelligence with humor. But I want you guys to know, there are, he tells jokes, listen to jokes, and laugh. But when he speaks and he's being serious, he's not an idiot. Like, Smay is extremely intelligent. So I wanted to preface that. Such well, a smart I mean, Wow, I... That really means a lot to me, too. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Almost, you're, you're a almost, very small that guy, almost, That almost got me feeling Smay, a little, you, little something. Smay, your, your brain is big, my friend. Oh, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Your, your brain it's is big. It's good to know I don't have a smooth brain. <laughs> no, you uh, have a lot of wrinkles so in your brain. So <laughs> I actually want to say about, because I love it, everything you guys have been saying, and I've been really diving into right now. Actually, lately, I've been I've been reading a lot, and uh, I've been reading uh, this biography on Teddy Roosevelt. And it, and uh, the thing Smart about smart people books, the, the, uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it, like it was, uh, I was reading about Terry Roosevelt and some of the stuff, like issues that he took really dearly. And you know, what was really funny to me. We're talking Teddy Roosevelt. He was a president, you know, around uh, 1900 area. Those early, like those first years of the 1900s, right? He, one of his things that he talked about a lot that he really hated was fiat currency. Huh. Makes sense. Imagine, imagine when you're like literally still on the gold standard, all this stuff, and they still, and he still was talking about how how this money is not right. You know, it made me think about. It. I was like, this has been something that people have been wrestling with for a very long time, and now we're so fortunate enough to live in the time where that solution has been born by some random guy named Satoshi Nakamoto. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think it's one of those things that I'm just so, I'm just so. Uh, excited and happy to be in uh, here in this era where uh, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin is uh, uh, is thriving. And to be honest with you guys, that's why I'm not I'm not too concerned about what's happening in these short term volatility, uh, these short term volatility moments like we are in right now. Uh, like like you guys were saying about sentiment, it is one of those things that like I feel like news is people are dull to the news now. Mm -hmm. You know. Uh, it's it's kind of this numbness that is uh, going to kind of uh, dampen the effects of news stories. So it's going to take a lot more than what used to be able to send Bitcoin into a spiral. It's going to take a lot more than that now. Uh, and so that's one of those things that I'm, I'm really interested to hear what happens with the Fed here soon and, and so on. But I, I'm kind of in the camp of saying in the short term, I'm taking this opportunity to uh get rid of my nasty, filthy U.S. dollars <laughs> and turn that into Bitcoin, turn that into Satoshis. Uh, I'm really uh, I'm really looking forward to taking that opportunity. But to be honest with you guys, in the short term, I'm not this is not I'm look, I think this is probably going to be pretty boring. Uh, if not pretty boring, pretty uncomfortable yeah. for a while. I felt like we so. could just hook like some cables up to the Rough Rider himself and him mm -hmm. spinning in his grave would solve all the world's energy problems because he's absolutely right. The gold standard was still technically in effect. It was starting to be going, we were starting to go off the gold standard when Teddy Roosevelt was alive. That's such a good point, Smay. We also got George in the chat, by the way. Shout out to George, Cryptos R Us. Make sure to go Shout subscribe out to, to him. George. Also, I, are we, are we doing stuff with him collection. Thursday or Friday? 
I have to check my calendar. Yeah, we have to check. Friday. I th- is it's Friday? coming out Friday, Friday at 4, yeah. I'm pretty okay. sure. Yeah, we're doing Perfect. something with George. It's going to be fun. Love yeah. George's a good guy. Boom. I love let's George. go ahead and read let's, some subscribe. Let's go uh, through these super chats because we, we still have to do our price predictions as well. So oh, we're yeah, going we to have to speed round these. Um, we'll so do it. No long answers. But Matt C., who's been a member for five months as a Jedi Grandmaster, Woo. said, just wanted you all to know how much we appreciate you being Aww. here every day, providing us with critically important information so that we can learn for our own how to navigate the crypto space. Much love. Absolutely, Matt much C. Thank love, you Matt C. Thank up. you so much, man. Uh, really Raymond So Oh, this is a good one. Svodboda. Svodboda. With all the progress ADA has recently made, does the price have a chance to decouple from Bitcoin price action, or is ADA too heavily linked to Bitcoin price? I think Cardano jumped to $50 billion in market capitalization because of its community, and now its its fundamentals are catching up with it. So I do think it's going to have a very good year, so long as the entire crypto market doesn't go into a prolonged bear market. But I do think... Cardano has a lot of hype that has been built into the price. So I think it's honestly, considering it's, it's, and, and look, I love Cardano. I'm a huge fan of Cardano. But considering its entire ecosystem hasn't fully launched yet, I'm happy with its valuation at a dollar. Once it starts getting 20, 50, 100 billion dollars in total value locked, then I'll start saying, okay, maybe it should be up at two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight dollars. But right now, I'm I'm comfortable with it at a dollar. I think it I think it's fairly priced at the moment. But I do know that there's a lot of development coming towards it, and uh, once it does, it's going to help that market to rally quite a bit. I'm pretty excited for ADAX and what I uh, am too. ADAX I'm extremely does. excited for ADAX. Let's keep moving on though. Crypto Sam said we need a huge volume move either up or down to change the market even though we are in a downtrend the volume is low do you agree what are your thoughts i agree i think we're going to see a i think we're going to see a major capitulation candle or we're going to the downside or we're going to see a major news story come in and it's going to cause a giant short squeeze that'll cause a major rally it's going to if we go through a prolonged growth phase like that then what we're pro- then we're probably going to see that that's going to take quite a long time if we're going to like level out and just start rallying that would be what the end of a bear market would look like I think we will probably see a pretty big uh, movement that'll end where we are right now. Sweet. We have like, I think, five more, six more maybe. Uh, Jeb, you said that using lines over candles is never beneficial in CT2A. Does that apply still when using it to locate bull and bearish RSI divergence? I would have to... I I don't remember you saying that. I don't. You have to remember... (laughs) I'd have to look at the video and what I said in context. I don't remember exactly what I said because some of these videos were shot, you know, a year plus ago. Um, but the fact is, here, here's the thing you need to keep in mind with candlesticks. If you're using the wicks, always use the wicks. If you're using the bodies, always use the bodies. Try not to mix them and use a wick here and a candle body there. If you're going to use one, use it everywhere. Just have consistency and both of them will uh, b- both work. But just look at both, but use both in consistency. It, it is something, as in my knowledge of doing CT2A with Jeb and also doing my own... There, it is not a simple answer when it comes to wits. It's and really bodies. not. But just to answer your question, I, I just want you to know how I do it, and the, and I learned from Jeb, so this is how Jeb does as well. When we're doing bullish and bearish RSI divergence, we are doing candle body closes. So green candles, we do the top of the close. Red candles, we do the bottom of the close. Uh, keep moving on. Elliot Locke said, media is all over the current conflicts in the world. Russia, Ukraine, China, Taiwan, and now Iran backed Houthi rebels hitting U.S. troops in UAE. UAE. If any of these pop off, what could we expect on the top 
of a Fed report tomorrow. Uncertainty drives bearishness in every market, and it'll do the same thing in Bitcoin. But at the end of the day, none of those conflicts directly have an impact on Bitcoin. They do have an impact on sentiment, and sentiment is a very fickle thing. So it could cause a drop that could lead to dominoes falling over in the cryptocurrency space. But ultimately, unless something huge happens that has a major impact on the global economy, as yeah. unfortunate as it, was, as it would be, its impact on Bitcoin actually would probably be smaller than you'd think in the long term. In the short term, it could cause like a 15% drop in a day, but in the long term, yeah. probably wouldn't have that big of an impact. The Bitcoinologist that I saw in articles, I think someone mentioned this yesterday too. I saw an article saying the current administration is close to releasing an executive order on cryptocurrency. Sounds scary. Did you hear about this? I'd have to look into that more before I answer yeah. that. I, there's been talks about that for a while. Um, the, the thing is, the current administration has a lot more pressing things to worry about than cryptocurrency. That's why we're still struggling with crypto regulation because there's midterm elections coming up and th this whole you know economic thing going on. So we might see that happen, but I'd be surprised to see a lot of attention coming in the direction of crypto over the next 12 months, mm. coming from the executive branch anyway, not necessarily Congress. Tom Wilk said, in my opinion, TA on the USD, on the USDs that I buy, by working every day looking much more frightening than TA on the crypto I buy. <laughs> yeah, for real. Maybe a ridiculous analogy, but it makes much it makes me much less concerned about these dips. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Yeah, if, you that's true. if you're worried about Bitcoin, <laughs> you ain't seen nothing. Yeah, look at the US dollar. Like you're yeah. if you want to look at it as a lesser of two evils thing, I don't think Bitcoin's evil. I think it's a very good thing. But if you want to look at it like that, <laughs> Bitcoin dropping 50%. Have you seen the US dollar and the money supply charts? <laughs> yeah, last two here and that these Fran just wanted to donate uh it looks like five oh, euros. Fran, Fran actually sent in a comment right after that. Did, they, did, she, did you catch it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She added me. It said, uh, can you comment on the controversy between Sunday Swap and Card Starter oh, and what yeah. that might mean for the ADAX launch this week? Uh, and that that essentially, uh, Charles Hoskins had actually addressed this yesterday. He put out like a five or 10 minute video addressing this exact thing. Essentially, there was this uh, massive disagreement between Sunday Swap and Card Starter. A lot of people had invested in Card Starter thinking that it was going to be included on the Sunday Swap. Uh, launch and there's going to be liquidity and rewards that are paid out. And then that whole thing fell through yeah. and Charles Hoskinson came out brilliantly. And, uh, you know, cause everybody's asking him to fix this, fix this, fix this. And he's like, you know, essentially he addressed it right on. He said, you know what, at the end of the day, this is a decentralized ecosystem. And this is one of the things that us investors and us traders, we need to require from the projects that we're doing our due diligence on. And we, we need to require them to have, uh, you know, uh, different methods of arbitration for disputes like this uh, mm -hmm. built into their promises, uh, you know, as, as we're looking into that and, and how this would affect ADAX. Well, ADAX is a completely separate project. Uh, and on the flip side of, of this yeah. whole controversy with Sunday swap and card starter, ADAX is, uh, I think they're about to, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, you know, scrolling through all the different, uh, uh, tweets and telegrams and stuff. They have a, a massive full report on a full, uh, transparency, uh, what do you call it? Audit that, that they had been working through the last few months. And uh, uh, th that report should be coming out. And uh, the launch is this Sunday. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I would, I, you know, we've all been kind of scaling in over the period of time. It's still at an incredible buy point. And, you know, I would say for anybody looking to get in ahead of a launch, there's always a bunch of marketing that usually leads up to a launch. So I'm just curious when, 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 or if that's going to happen. And uh, yeah, I don't mm -hmm. think it's, I don't think the card starter Sunday swap yeah. thing is going to do anything except for bolster ADAC because of his transparency and honesty yeah. and, and when yeah. we see its full use it's going to be amazing cool last one we have here uh chris davison just thanked me for for asking that question from yesterday about the weekly chart that's all we have for super chats and i know we are running very long but tuesdays is the day we do our price predictions mm -hmm. so uh, you know 
uh, Kelly, I'm going to let you start because you said that you have yours already. Uh, I, I have Smays, but I don't have Jeb's or yours. And I have my own, obviously, already written down. But, Kelly, what is your prediction for Friday at 930 what Bitcoin will look like? And just to preface for everybody, these are not – these are not financial like advice predictions. These are for a game for the HODL trophy. And as this week, more than maybe any other week of the prediction, is going to be probably the most uh, – I don't think any of us are 100% certain of these prices yeah, because of what's going to happen here in roughly 24 to 30 hours from now. Mm-hmm. But I, I honestly feel like the best method right now would be to roll a twelve-sided die with twelve different. For, yeah, for real, I know. that is uh, honestly there's so much. But I'll, I'll uh, stick with my uh, bullish bias based on all the bullishness that I that I post based on reading all the on-chain metrics, and I'm going to say even conser- just a conservative bullish bias from here. I'm going to say forty-two three sixty-seven. Oh, really? That's I mean, I I, I expected Kelly to go high. But I, well, I mean, really here's, here's my reason. If we don't get negative news, yeah, it, it's say the news is, uh, let's say the news uh, is good. The report yeah. is, 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 is even just neutral. I think the yeah. neutral would actually, uh, if it's not above where people were expecting, that's going to be bullish. If it's below where people expected or delayed, yeah. uh, then I think that's going to be ultra bullish. You know what I mean? If yeah. we just moved up, uh, we, we dipped down almost $4,000 yesterday and came back in the same day. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't think it's out of the yeah. question that we could rise a few thousand dollars from yeah. here uh so i'm gonna say 42 367 yeah. and i still think we can still touch the 30k area yep. so i'm gonna okay that's my that's my prediction though jeb what you got uh $33,250. oh what the heck is my page okay 33 what 33250 i think we're gonna hang out down here for a little bit 33250 yeah, i'm uh, 10 grand below you kelly it's gonna be a crazy week ain't it <laughs> Yeah, let's put a little side bet on the side. This might be the record for the biggest gap. (laughs) Biggest gap. It is a big gap. I can tell you guys right now, Jeb, you are the lowest predictor, and Kelly, you are the highest predictor. Hey, I'm okay with that. That is our range. I'm okay with that. I want to be the lowest predictor this week. I think it's going to be embarrassing. You know, in 20 seconds or less, what give your reason for that. Because if you look on my chart, you can see that every other time that we've had a major capitulation event like this, we typically go into a period of a basically a falling wedge, and I think we're about to see the same thing happen here, where we're going to have kind of, kind of this falling wedge thing, and then we'll have a decision point in the next week or two, but I think it's going to take a little bit of time to get there. Gotcha. Smay, do you want to read your, do you want to say your prediction? Do you want me Full to read it for you? I can say it. Yeah, go right. for it. Um, so my prediction is 33,800. Yep. And, and I will say, uh, Jeb, you got me a little nervous. I, <laughs> I'll be honest. You got me a little nervous. I almost said thirty-four two fifty. I'm so glad I went a thousand dollars lower. But I did. I I picked that number because I got to be honest with you. As as much as I'm excited to hear what the Fed's gonna say, I'm there's a sneaky part of me that's gonna. That I feel like it's not gonna have that big of an effect. Or people are just gonna, yeah. I get pe- that. People are still Maybe. just out of it, dude. Like I feel like there are people that are just not even tuned in right now. Yeah. Uh, and there's just money that's not being yeah. tuned in. Let's keep moving so, here. Because yeah. Last one. Out. So mine is thirty nine five hundred. So this okay. is this is residing that the the news is gonna be dovish. I said before. I, I don't know, but I think it's going to be dovish. And this continues with my thought of we set up that bullish RSI divergence on the hourly chart to set up our bullish RSI divergence on the four-way chart. But what's going to happen is we're going to need to set up that bearish RSI divergence, come down so we get bullish on the daily. That 39.5, because it was such a key level of support before, I think that we're going to get back to that region. We're going to come back to the downside having formed bearish RSI divergence, come back down potentially all the way back to 35, 34 before we see bullish divergence on the daily. And then 
that's when I think we're going to see a spring. But it's, you know, we'll see. We got to wait to find out the news first. So, well, well, guys, if you enjoyed today's show, make sure to smash that like button. Let's see if we can't get to 1,300 likes here in the next couple of minutes. Thank you guys so very much for tuning in. Drop a hashtag Fensolve in chat. It is our vision here to see you achieve financial sovereignty. And that means you having control over your money and your financial instruments rather than your money and your financial instruments having control over you. You are the one that should be in charge of your finances, not the other way around. That's what we stand for because we want you to be able to live a purpose-driven life and we want you to have the financial sovereignty over your life to be able to do that. If you agree with that vision and that mission, smash that subscribe button. I would love to see you every single day here in chat with all of our good friends. Thank you so very much to our members. Make sure to check out iTrust Capital linked in the description box down below and make sure to sign up for Lux Algo. It's my favorite technical indicator that I've used to date and you can find both of those links in the description box down below. Before we go though, guys, I do just first want to thank each and every single last one of you for watching as always and I will see you guys in the next video. Peace. Oh, I got a real good listening to the Coffee and Crypto Podcast. Tune in every day at 9.30 a.m. Eastern to watch live on YouTube. Follow us on our social media accounts at CryptoJeb. And lastly, we want to thank you for supporting us here at McAfee Media.